Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. Shh, it's a secret. Don't tell anyone about it. Uh, my name is Dan, and you're joining us for the uh, very special alliterative episode, which will be titled "Sarah Solicits." And uh, in order to solicit, here is Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Daniel. <laughs> We've been bickering nonstop the past ten minutes before we even started recording, so this should be a good one. Oh, like, we haven't been talking for ten minutes. You're wrong. <laughs> if you'd like to umpire and tell us which one of us has won at the end of the podcast, clue it'll be me. I'd be really grateful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because you spend all your time sucking up and getting friendly with people and and developing a fan base and all that sort of shit. And I'm the grumpy, misanthropic one who, you know, dissociates and alienates himself from everyone. Doesn't mean that you win. That just proves that democracy doesn't fucking work. We were in the Basque Country this week. Well, we weren't in the Basque Country. I wish I was in the Basque Country. Actually, maybe I don't. Well, Do maybe, maybe, maybe we were. I mean, because if you can see it, isn't that kind of the same as being in it? You know, at least in a, in a psychological kind of way. I don't know, if you're a psychiatrist or a psychologist or whatever and there's some kind of, you know, actual name for a brain theory of observing something even through another medium like television or photography or whatever, um, psychic transference or something, I don't know, just, I, like, I'm not a psychiatrist, tell us. Yeah, well, it was the Basque Country and last week we told you about the first Basque race, the Durango, Durango and Macamin Seria and we were saying about, oh look, the weather's lovely, it normally means to the Basque Country but aren't they lucky? And after the race, uh, on the rest day between the day race and the stage race, there was all sorts of riders tweeting pictures of the glorious, glorious sunshine, isn't this beautiful? Actually, I remember, <laughs> I remember you saying, like we, I pretty much ended last week's episode with, with you talking about how lovely it was and all of that sort of stuff and um and then with you accusing me of jinxing it because so i i said something along the lines of so it'll start raining tomorrow <laughs> it didn't start raining did it no it fucking poured down with the wrath of all of the ancient gods it was yeah, furious it was ridiculous. It was they, basically the, the the Spanish races always start late in the afternoon. Mm. Yeah, I think this is possibly something about you know not riding in the midday sun, but which makes sense <laughs> if there was any midday sun. But what there <laughs> actually was was a midday apocalyptical thunderstorm, yeah. hailstorm. Exactly, oh, you've you heard the stories the of how the the glaciers in the in the poles aren't actually falling into the ocean. It turns out that's because the gods were ripping them up, flying to the Basque Country and hurling them at the ground, where they shattered explosively, uh, <laughs> shrapnelizing and taking out small animals. It was, it was ferocious. The, there were the photos beforehand and you had everything from and now bear in mind the women don't have big buses like the men's do yeah so when they turn up to races if they're lucky they have camper vans um to hide from the wrath of the gods um if they're unlucky they're basically huddled under anything they can find and packed 17 into a car to try and avoid oh my god the photos um anton voss took a photo of basically what looked like like just like the river running down the road it was ridiculous it's kind of so like that just... old um that, that that old circus joke isn't it like how many clowns you can fit in the mini that's that's what the women basically <laughs> have to deal with so you know it's it's a team yeah. and staff of like 14 people packed in a mini uh, with all their equipment it's it, it's a hell of a feat of real life tetris 
yeah. it was ridiculous. But then, so then they started racing, and it hadn't rained in the past country for about a week or something. So you know that that thing where it's been very very hot and dry, and suddenly it rains, and the, it just makes the roads just like glass. Yes. And it's very and and this is like this is a hilly race with lots and lots of twisty, curvy technical court downhill corners, and there was apparently a lot of oil on the road as well, which hadn't been washed right. away. And so, so what you're hell. saying is what you're saying is that if, uh, for example, a recently knighted uh, guy from the United Kingdom who may have won a Grand Tour in the last twelve months uh, were riding a descent like this with his giant sideburns. Um, <laughs> That that he would possibly have gone. I'm not. I'm not girl enough for this, and just hopped off and walked down. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, there the Twitter. You know, one of you know one of the things I love about women's cycling is how they really engage with Twitter and how they're very very funny. So, Miranda Vries, who made it rain, rain soap on the Basque roads today? Whole peloton must have come down. I downhilled like Wiggins. Crashed only once though. <laughs> So markedly better than Wiggins, as it turns markedly, out. Mar- markedly better than Wiggins. Um, my favourite tweets come from Liz Hatch. Um, Liz, she's hilarious. I've said this before, but back in the day, the only way to follow women's cycling on the internet was Vicky Whitelaw's blogs and Liz Hatch's tweets. So she's always got a strong place in my heart. This is how Liz Hatch described it in a series of two tweets. They told us the descent between 54 and 59 was dangerous, but watching riders crash in every corner like thrown dice was not what I expected. Never went downhill so gingerly. My asshole was puckered so tightly, I doubt I'll use the toilet this week. (laughs) 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 Which, perversely enough, will actually add to... Um, the amount of mass that that is hurled into the next descent. So, you know, it <laughs> just compounds the problem, uh, it, impacting upon much was, more than just the colon. So, yeah. uh, It was complete carnage. I think um, I think just riders were just literally going down like nine pins. So, well, yeah, I can't um, remember who else it was, but I'm sure I saw someone else tweet about how they felt bad for... It might even been a follow-up from Marine. Um, how they'd felt bad about going down once and then, you know, got to the end of the stage and found out that everyone else had crashed too, so felt, you know, marginally better about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it ended up in a bunch sprint because, holy Mm. shit, no one was going to take any chances on this. And if you were that bastard who decided to attack, I think the entire peloton would have found you and slapped you upside the head. What the fuck are you playing? So, yeah, um, Mm. I, I might... And it was actually, I, I mentioned this last week, but it was Sharon Laws' first stage race. And she actually didn't crash. She said, what a welcome back to bike racing. Rain, thunder, lightning, carnage. Was happy to stay upright. Office job more appealing today. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, in a way, in a, in a really perverse kind of way, given that, um, that she was out following such a horrific crash that, that caused such terrible injury, um, and, and that, you know, racing again would obviously naturally make you nervous and and you know there's a there's a a high level of um confidence that you've got to claw back quite quickly to be able to to perform at a peak in in that group um 
in, in a really, really kind of twisted way, it possibly actually made that a little bit easier because everyone else would have been riding so gingerly as well. So. <laughs> well, I don't know, though. I think because cause she, cause she crashed because someone crashed in front of her, so I mm. think that must have been fucking terrifying for her. But Laws finished 17th, sorry, Laws finished 30th overall. She said, she tweeted that she wasn't, she was finishing in places that she wasn't really used to, but she got stronger and stronger every day. And, you know, congratulations, Sharon. We're really glad you're back. Um, so, you're tipping her to win the overall for the Giro Rosa? <laughs> I know I she's wish. a favourite of yours, but really? No, seems... no, not at all. I okay. just, well, you heard I it here first, folks. Sarah's tipping her for the Giro Rosa, Sharon Laws. You heard it here first. Oh, don't, don't sigh, old grumpy. Oh, good God. <laughs> it's what we do. <laughs> Yes, you did interview her last week. It was a lovely interview, too. I really enjoyed that one. She said that she broke her L2 vertebrae, four ribs, six necks of the ribs, all sorts of other hideous injuries. So, you know, it's amazing that she's back. And, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, she was... That's a remarkably frank interview, I thought. Yeah. I mean, what I really liked about it, though I say this myself, was she was saying about racing in South Africa over the winter. And she's saying that bizarrely... Well, maybe it's not bizarre, because, you know, Europe is shit in this. But she was saying that the, not only was the prize money much better in the South African races, but the prestige was really good, too. Mm. She said she won... One of the races she won... She was then on South African breakfast TV the next day talking about it and on the one of the major South African sports magazine programs. So, yeah. 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 No, I did find that really impressive and that, you know, people knew who she was and, and all that sort of stuff. It was it was very, very cool to see. The other part of um, that interview that I, I quite liked, I mean, even though it's in the midst of a very tough time for her, was hearing how wonderful her friends were at looking after her and supporting her and, you know, bringing, like, nice food to hospital and, you know, little things like that. But it was just, you know, when when you're away from home, uh, you're in another country and you're in hospital, you know, it's little things like that, that I think can make a huge difference. And it was kind of nice just to see that she had all those really key people and relationships around her. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, especially there was, she tweeted a photo of Hanley Bouillons feeding her because she couldn't feed herself. And so Hanley, um, Hanley is her mountain bike racing partner. Mm. They won the Cape Epic, the first ever Cape Epic. They were the women's team winner in 2004. And then they won again in 2009. And the whole, one of the reasons Sharon was out in South Africa was they were going to come back together for the 10th anniversary of the Cape Epic, the 10th iteration of the race. And they were going to race it and see what they could do as a kind of celebration of their love of mountain biking and their friendship. So Sharon, when she crashed, it was only like a week away from or, or a couple of weeks away from the start of the Cape Epic. So at that point, Hanley would have been well within her rights to be training. She had to find a new partner to race the Cape Epic with. You know, she'd be well within her rights to just be spending the time yeah. on the road with a new partner and, and you know, panicking about that. You know, though she was there in the hospital looking mm, after mm. Sharon. I know, and pre-chewing her food for her, which I think is going <laughs> above and beyond. But, you know, um, oh. as a mother bird oh. to a baby bird, uh, you know, regurgitated worms and everything. Oh, shut up, shut up. <laughs> He's just, the, the boy's disgusting, but he is Australian. What can we say? Witchetty grubs are nice. They taste nutty. I know something else that's nutty around here. You make it too easy sometimes. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first stage was won by Mariana Voss in a bunch of sprints. Um, 
ahead of uh, ahead of um, Adri Bissa and Rosella Ratto in third place. And this is Rosella Ratto's best result as a best best result in a UCI in the UCI race. Stage race. No, best best placing. Oh, okay. Elite. Ratto is only nineteen, and I have. I mean, I really liked her anyway because she came second in the um, in the junior world championships mm. in mm. her first year as a junior, and then in her second year of the juniors, uh, won the European junior championships. Last year, she rode the elite the elite worlds for Italy um, because they always like to bring in a couple of junior riders. And you might have remembered her because do you remember in the worlds there was that last break? Yep. Um, before Mariana Voss leapt across and Ratto was in it and when I interviewed uh, Elisa Longo-Borghini early in the year Longo-Borghini Elisa was saying that she was when Mariana jumped to catch that break Elisa was chasing her um, and trying to get on and trying to get on but Ratto was at the front driving and driving and she was shouting Rosella! Rosella didn't I really like I I've got a re- I really like her. I met her in Flesh Valon and she <laughs> this sounds really like swank or showing off, so I apologise, but it's not I don't want to say it because about me, but I want to say it about her. But she got up before six o'clock to drive me to the station, which was just above and beyond the call of duty. So Rosella Ratto. Oh yeah, my god, really nice wow. Person. Yeah, Rosella, she's a better person than I am. Fuck. <laughs> you know, you were crashing at my place and needed to get to the station at, at some time before six AM, I'd just be like Lock the door on your way out. Just see you. See you next time. Good luck. <laughs> Don't wake me up. Wake me up before six, and I wake up with a blade in hand. That's just how it is. It's... <laughs> mm. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Well, Rosella, I mean, a lot of the Italians tend to race only for Italian teams. And that's partly because there are so many Italian teams. It's, it's, you know, and it's easier because the language, the bases, things like that. What do you mean? Hang on, hang on, hang on. You tell me that Italian teams speak Italian? (laughs) I know. Weird. Weird. Okay, yep. So it's it's kind of the usual thing to do for an Italian rider to stay in an Italian team. But last year, um, Elisa Longo-Borghini had... And, it's, and not all of them, because, for example, Noemi Cantele was riding for HTC High Road, for example. And uh, Giorgio Bronzini this year is riding for Wiggle Honda. But in general, Italian riders ride in Italian teams. But Elisa decided to ride for high tech. And she said that she did this because she, she's, she's studying linguistics at university and she really likes languages and she wants to learn about other cultures and stuff. So she really wanted to ride for an international team. And Rosella's joined her this year for similar reasons, you know, wanting to learn and see more and develop more. And I like that in a rider. They're, they're, you know, that kind of embracing the internationalization of the sports, you know, I think that's really cool. So Rosella Ratto, third in that stage, um, she actually came fifth I think or seventh in the worlds last year but really good watch out for her I hope she wins the best young rider jersey at the Giro yes and um you know her VDS price next year will be astronomical so yeah oh actually she can't win the best young rider jersey at the Giro because Elisa's in the team (laughs) (laughs) oops (laughs) anyway so stage one won by Mariana Voss and at this point, you might be thinking, ah, oh, Voss again, la, 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 Voss, Voss, Voss. But, I mean, I am a huge Mariana Voss fan, but 
it didn't go that way. Mm. Because this does seem to happen once or twice a year where Voss suddenly has like three days maybe. And, and it really is only ever like three days, maybe four days in in a short period, like three or four race days I'm talking about, where she's just not at her peak. Um, which, you know, it's, it's like comparing, um, you know, immortal beings to to normal humans and saying oh yeah no she's only mostly immortal today <laughs> like it's no, you know it, it's a weird comparison because she's still highly competitive but she she you know every now and then has has that that kind of off day which means she's not at her absolute peak yeah i mean the thing is with boss is she races year round but mm. as someone was pointing out on podium cafe probably confused spider he was saying that that she's only ridden half the number of race days as Emma Johansson does that has done this year because mm. she's been, she's learning a lot about herself. She loves her different disciplines, and this mm. year she's been playing around on mountain bike. Well, I say playing around, but what I mean is doing really fucking well, yeah. um, <laughs> scarily well. But but she loves her cyclocross with mm. all her heart, and this year she's been having a kind of relaxed season. She's had some really clear goals. So the Ronde van Vlaanderen was a goal, the Giro Russa was a goal. Um, Giro Rosa, sorry, um, was a goal and then the Worlds will be a goal so the fact that she's having an off time now, I mean, it's also really good because some people go, oh she must be on drugs because she's winning all the time and it's like, oh god, I hate you I hate you, I hate whoever you are who said that I hate you um, <laughs> hate, 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 hate but, um, which but, isn't know, I, a strong word at all in this context, you know it's, well, uh... you know what, I uh, my Twitter stream this week has been absolutely full of bile and rage and people shouting and saying, oh, Sky are a bunch of dopers and this doping and that doping. And we've got to that point where people are, where, where they've won a race or they're doing really well or their team tactics are working is now become evidence of doping. Yeah. And I don't deny that doping in the women's that there's doping in the women's peloton but i will say it's different it's not team implemented in the same way as doping in the men's peloton is and generally the people you know the people who are caught are you know that where they're caught and it turns and there's aw- awful backstories you know about like being doped since you're a teenager by your evil coach who's also molesting you you know what i mean it's <sighs> i don't think that women's cycling is some pure clean fantasy utopia but I also don't think that you can say, oh, Voss, <laughs> Voss wins because she dopes. No, I think I think mostly she wins because she rides faster than other people. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't mean to drag you into a yeah. sideline of, of uh, doping talk when it comes to Voss. Uh, no, but I mean, I think it is an interesting point that um, I think you said it was Confused Spider brought up about uh, this being the year that Marianne is also like... It's not just that she's riding mountain bike as well as road in the same season. It's that this is the first time she's done it. So she's actually literally figuring out as she goes what the optimum number of race days in each discipline is. Yeah. Um, and the skills that she needs and the, the type of um, uh, uh, type of form that she needs to compete well in mountain bike will be slightly different to what she needs in road. But will also vary in road from classics to stage races. And so there's yes, all these exactly. sorts of considerations in terms of not just um, what she's generally capable of, but what type of physicality she's actually conditioning herself for in the next set of racing, you know, whatever yeah. that is. And so, you know, it, it's actually, it's kind of one of those really weird things where 
um, and and I don't mean this disrespectfully in any way, but but you know, in a lot of ways, Mariana's treating herself as a human guinea pig, and and we're seeing like real life testing <laughs> in terms of yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what, what works and what doesn't. You see, she did that. She did that um, in when she won the Giro, the Giro Donna in um, two thousand and eleven. She really, really, really slimmed down because that was one of her big. Because the other thing with Mariana is that she's she's looking for new goals and new challenges all the time because you know she gets a bit bored about just winning the same races every year. And she's a really, really com- deeply competitive person who likes to see what she can do. So in two thousand and eleven, she lost a lot of weight to write, to win the Giro Rosa. Sorry, the Giro Donna, and. Then she had this problem in that she never really got to put it back on again afterwards. And I heard, I mean, she, she talks about this in her autobiography, brackets, oh God, I want it to be published in English, where she just said that because she was upping her training for the Olympics and she just, she, and, but she wasn't upping her calorie level, she got into real problems, like almost into an eating disorder, you know. And I think part of that was because she never really had the, the recovery after the Giro. Okay. And I think it really helped when she broke her collarbone in May last year and she had, you know, she had some time off, she had some time off the bike. I think that must have helped her. So I don't know if we'll see her win the Giro this year because, you know, whether if she loses that much weight again, it kind of causes her problems and loses her power, you know, makes her lose her power elsewhere. Mm, mm. So Plus you've already you know, predicted that Sharon Laws will win it. So I did not. God, I'm not that blind about my favourites. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> yes, rude. but it's not funny to be okay, honest. Who do you think will win? It's who, not who funny to be win, honest. Dan? Oh, okay, fine. Uh, put put it upon me for a prediction. Uh, let me think. I mm, 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 mm. I need. I need. Give, I will make a prediction by the end of the episode. I promise. But I need a bit of time to think about. It. <laughs> So stage two of the Macamin Bira was hit was I mean it's very hilly. This was um, had lots of lots of hills in it, in this one. And what was very interesting was um, on the big climbs, Voss was being dropped on the big climbs, but then she'd use her descending skills to to get to, you know to catch to catch back up. And oh my God, no one can descend like Mariana Voss. She just has no fear. She's and that's one of the reasons why she's so good because she's not the best climber in the bunch. She's perfect at those short, punchy climbs. Mm. But she's not a, you know, she's not an Emma Poo type. But because of her descending strengths and absolutely no fear at all, <laughs> she catches up. You know, those kind of stages are really good for her. You know, she'll die on the climb and then just plot, then just zoom down the descent. Yeah, oh. yeah. And and it's also it's look- one of those horrible things where it's not just that she catches up, it's that she flies by before you've no- you realise that she's caught up. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck is that a rock? Oh fuck, Marianne has passed us. Damn it. <laughs> and fuck. so that's what happened. That's yeah. what happened in the fir- in the um, in the second stage. But it was basically um, so it came down to a four women break the second stage with um, Emma Johansson, Elisa Longo-Borghini, Voss, and Tiff Cromwell. Mm. And then towards the end. Logo Borghini Johansson just took off and they ended up in a two women sprint with Johansson pipping Elisa on the line. Voss coming in third, all about her descending 26 seconds back. Cool. Um, Tiff Cromwell in fourth, with Evelyn Stevens in fifth. Cool. And well, that's actually quite good given that, you know, Evie's still on her way back too, so I'm um, pretty yeah, cool yeah, that yeah, she's yeah. up there. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, and, and, and Evie, isn't, Evie isn't a great descender. It, it, I mean, it's not that she's a bad descender, but she came late to the sport. Mm. And I think quite a lot of the riders who come late to the sport, like Evie and Emma Pooley, I think descending is a bit, is, is the kind of thing that's, that's, you know, they still have quite a lot of fear. And they're very, very intelligent people who don't, you know, not to say that no one else is, but, you know, if you combine that coming late to the sport and having a very, you know, kind of understanding about things like cause and effect. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the thing. Given that Evie's previous job was basically um, as as a high-level banker and trader um, working on Wall Street, whereby the, the definition of the job is risk analysis... <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it's really hard to turn that part of the brain off and the, the little bit that's yeah. the, the blinking red light in the back that uh, that's just like, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. You know, like, it's... I mean, that's it's the bit you've got to actually be able weather. to put... Yeah, and, and and see, this is the thing. There are there are people in the world, uh, like Fabian Cancellara um, or Vincenzo Nibali or Mariana Voss, who can just put a big bit of black duct tape over that blinking light and just go down. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and also Voss is... And then there's everyone else, you know. We're out of duct tape. And also, Voss has been riding since she was a little kid. Kitty, mm. you know, she's like, she. I think she her first, you know, she basically was racing as soon as she was old enough to join in. You know, yeah. I think she was like four years old or something when she rode her first race. So it's when you do it every day, you 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 know, you just become used to it, and you can mm. see the line, mm. and she knows she's really good. So there's no, you know, so there's although it's scary. I mean, it's a bit like skiing, you know, that kind of thing of of just finding that beautiful line and 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 curling yourself down it and. I bet I, you know, I can't say for myself, but I bet actually you're probably less likely to crash when you're not when you're taking those risks because you just don't have the fear that makes you suddenly go, oh shit! Well, that's it. Like it doesn't. It, you, it's it's all about finding that kind of flow, isn't it? Where it's it's you know it's not even conscious thought. It it is just all you know. There's the there's that beautiful part of your brain that just sees it and it just makes sense and and your body follows and it just happens and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so and you don't think you are at one with your bike and mm, you know mm. at one with your bike and at one with the road and i yeah. guess if you love it too it's like oh, i uh, yeah. i mean I, well those those I sensations used... are just fantastic you know those are those are sublime moments in in any pursuit when you when you can feel like that so yeah yeah I mean, when I, when I was a kiddie, because my dad's lived out in Spain for ages, and he has a friend who has a flat at the bottom, you know, near, near this ski resort in the Pyrenees. And so when I was a kid, we used to go skiing there. And that feeling when I was younger of just flying and not thinking about it. And I think I got to 17 and I just couldn't ski so well because I'd look at these slopes and see myself with like a broken leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, the first time you've seen a compound fracture with bone sticking out of the, the, the leg, then, you know, the shine comes off and, yeah, you yeah. Know, that blinking and red my, light my, starts to flare. So. Yeah, and my little brother used to do diving and he was really good at diving, but he one day just got he one day just got the fear and couldn't do it yeah. anymore because it just wasn't fluid. Yeah, yeah one day anyway. one day he looked down and, and instead of out and that was it, it was over. So Yeah. yeah. So stage three was a time trial and I miss the days when the Amakamine Beer at time trial was one of those diagonal profiles. <laughs> you mean a descending time trial? I mean start at bottom of a mountain, ride really hard uphill. <laughs> Until it gets to the top. Oh, right. You mean the Emma Pooley Invitational Time Trial. 
Exactly. Well, it used to be the Emma Pooley Invitational Time Trial. And as you can imagine, the Emma Pooley Invitational Time Trial, coupled with all these stages, were perfect for Emma Pooley wins. Emma, please come back. We miss you. We miss you so. Um, Yeah, so, um, and it was an interesting time trial because not only was it raining. (laughs) 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 It was also... um, pretty much completely lumpy lots of twisty narrow roads uh, lots of road furniture and roundabouts and stuff and so you'd expect in a time trial um ellen van dyke to win but ellen much prefers the flat courses so she came second but emma johansson won the time trial which is again i mean we've been saying this all season and it's it's actually sort of getting to the point where i feel like it's losing its meaning but like holy fuck emma's on amazing form just to continually and consistently be competitive in all of these different types of races on different roads in different conditions and you know she's winning one day races she's winning time trials she like it's it's well except you know. she's not because remember she's only actually won two races this year well, I just named. I just named both of them. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. She won the show. Le, she won the show. They paid well. Paid show. They paid Loire. <laughs> she won the show. They paid Loire, which was a, to be honest, a, well, as Cavendish would say, shit small race. Um, <laughs> or do I mean small shit race? No, I don't. You know, she was racing for the Swedish national team. She was racing that as, um, you know, as kind of form getter, mm. as you know, racing racing miles. And then she'd won the won Gwick, Gerardsberg and Gwick. So yeah, she has had amazing form, but it hasn't translated to wins. No, you're right. Race. It's been a lot of lot of podiums. But I mean, my point being that like she's been up there um, and pretty much all season long, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, and she's had a really and she's had a lot of a lot of riding. Anyway, mm. Johansson won the time run the time trial, which took her into the lead, but. So Ellen Van Dyke second behind her in th- 38 seconds, but also at 38 seconds was Elisa Longo-Borghini and Anna van der Breggen. Dun, dun, da. And Ebby Stevens in fifth with 52 seconds. Um, yeah, and Voss was way back in 15th a minute and 25 seconds back. Mm. I mean, that's quite interesting because a minute and 25 on a time trial, I suppose it was only 13 kilometres, but yes. Yes, so that put going into the final stage... Uh, Emma Johansson first, followed by Elisa Longo-Borghini at 38 seconds. And this last stage was a monster. It was like, it was only, um, it was only, it wasn't that, it wasn't that long. It was 90 something Ks? I thought it was. 88.7 Ks. Oh, right, yes. Now, guess what? It was raining really hard. Um, They had really bad visibility again. Seems really unusual for the Basque Country for it to be. (laughs) pissing rain uh, well yeah. that's why it's so beautiful isn't it it's one you know they're, well, they're who, like, who, would, who would fucking know how could you see with all this rain like <laughs> everyone says it's beautiful but i think they just assume i think it's like <laughs> it's like scotland they're just like under all of this anger there's got to be something good looking you know why else would everyone be pissed off at not being able to go outside so, <laughs> so the last stage was just Hilly, hilly, big climb, big climb, big climb, big climb, and it came down to um, it came down to again uh, small groups, and it was really interesting reading the race reports because it just it just seemed like on every climb, Evelyn Stevens would attack, and Elisa Longo Borghini would follow her, or Elisa would attack, and Emma Johansson would follow her, and it was like all about you know groups, um, groups, you know, oh, 
people catching them on the descent and then riders going and you know small group a group of 13 and then a group of and then becoming a group of eight and then becoming a group of four and then becoming three riders mm-hmm. so the final group was elisa and Evie stevens and emma johansson and, and anna van der breggen and i quite interested in how elisa rides these things because she knows in those groups well she can probably out sprint Evie stevens but not this was an uphill finish yeah uh, but she can't out sprint emma johansson and emma knows that and she can't outsprint Mariana Voss. And we've seen this all season with Elisa, that she rides very, very cannily. She'll be in a small group coming up to the end of a race, you know, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's Flanders or, or any race like that. And she'll just attack like a lunatic in the last 10K to try and get away. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I love that. It's like, you know... It's like what Ina Yoko Teutenberg was saying in the Philly Classic. Much better to die on your bike than to just sit on. You know, better yeah, to... <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, I mean, as you say, that is the right kind of move for her, but it also makes for even better spectacle for us fans. I mean, it would be exciting, you know, edge-of-the-seat stuff anyway to watch a group of four like that come into a finish. Um, yeah. But it is, you know, as you say, like constant attacking and attempts to get away in that last five to ten k really animates yeah, yeah, the finale yeah, yeah. and makes it makes it, you know, that much more exciting. Yeah, and I it mean, also it also really puts the pressure on on the other riders in the group. You know, who chases, who sits in, who yeah. hides, who, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had like, you know, Elisa would be caught and then Evie would go and then Evie would be caught and Elisa would go. And it's and it's really and it means that you can't also relax if you're Emma Johansson. Yeah. You know, for example, you can't in, in the way that, you know, in a men's race. Yeah. Like you can't assume they, that they, you can just sit into the last two Ks and then go for it or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, do you remember that? I think one of my favorite, favorite, favorite stages was that stage of Tour de France that Heinrich Hauschler won. Yeah. Where he did, I, mean, I know. I, I and he was basically, Haus- it, again, it was pissing rain and he was basically weeping as he crossed the line, you know. Hands covering his face. That was awesome. Oh, but I love it. He was weeping before he even got to the yeah, lane, wasn't he? Yeah. I think he attacked at three. T- everyone thought it was going to be a bunch of sprints, and he yeah, attacked yeah. at three k go. Exactly. And I always think of Hauschler. Um, there's riders like Hauschler, Luce Hunnawijk, I think is the same. You know, is the same sort of thing where you know you get right. Here's the five k mark, loose. Three k mark, loose. Yeah. <laughs> Two k mark, loose. <laughs> like, like really? Come on, loose, loose. Wait, come on, come on. Like, what are you waiting yeah, for? Yeah, come yeah, on. Because- and I like that. I like riders who know. I mean, and it's and it's as you say, it makes it very interesting for mm. who chases because, you know, if you if you don't chase, and that I mean, do you remember watching Kirsten Veal do uh, deal with that in the Tour of Qatar? Yeah, where anyone attack, you know, you have these riders just the Orica riders pinging over and over mm. again, mm. one the other, the other the other, and Kirsten just bang, bang, bang. I'm on your wheel. I'm on your yeah. wheel. I'm on yeah. your wheel. You're not getting away. You're not getting away from me, right? And the, the stress of that's got to be really intense as you come to the finale. I have to say also in Makamibira, um, you know, pr- probably not in that last five kilometers so much, but certainly towards the end of the stages, uh, from what I saw, you know, the reports I read and stuff, it seems like Tiff Cromwell was doing a really great job supporting Emma um, in in covering a lot of things and providing options. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. actually going on attack as well. I mean, that, mm. that's that stage two where it was um, Elisa, Emma, Tiff and Mariana. Mm, mm. You know, having someone to cover Mariana Voss for you and yeah. chase down, it's just amazing. You can't... Yeah, like I you mean, really can't is, put a value on that. That's that's huge. Yeah, um, and that's yeah. what Nederland, Nederland Bluet, um, the team which Rabobank has become, when they bought in Annemiek van Vleuten as well, and, it, and that's what Annemiek and Mariana doing that. And I love seeing how teams responded to that, because that year 
was just ridiculous because mm. you know do you remember the run to Van Vlaanderen when Van Vlaanderen won yeah and, yeah. She basically and it's won just it. that classic because Mariana's sitting there going well I'm not going to fucking chase you guys have better do something about it and they're all just going but if we do you'll come too <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, in the final stage, um, Mariana had been, uh, you know, she'd be, she, she, she'd been, she'd been, um, she'd realised she was out of the stage. So apparently, she kind of spent all her, all her, all her last time, really riding to support Sabrina Stoltian's best young rider jersey. Yeah, which was quite cool. And I mean, holy fuck, how awesome must that be for for young Sabrina? I mean, you know, the jersey's great in itself, but then to have Mariana Voss turn around and just be like. All right, cool. Well, you know, this is this is the best option for the team now. I'm going to lay it out there for you. Yeah. Holy I mean, shit! <laughs> Talk I mean, about they, a learning experience. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they know each other because Stoltenz is also a cyclocross rider. Mm. But anyway, um, Rosella Ratto. Apparently, you know, the high tech was saying afterwards that you know every time they tried anything, there was Voss chasing it down. Ratto, and it ended up Stoltenz won the best young rider jersey. Oh, I don't. Uh, I, it must be an under twenty one jersey because Elisa Longo Borghini would have won it otherwise. But anyway, Stoltians won it by one second, mm, mm. and you just know that Mariana Voss. <laughs> well, yeah, on the day, on the day, all of that, all of that work paid off. You know, it's yeah, yeah. it's cool. So, I love it when you see things like that. I mean, that's kind of like when um, in the Tour de Suisse on the men's side, Contador working for Rogers, as ridiculous as that sounds. Um, it's very cool when you see team leaders actually put in the effort for, for yeah. other riders on their team. It's very yeah. cool. And, and and it's also why I'm a big fan of high tech because, you know, Longo Borghini is, she says she loves it. She mm. It's not just that she does it, but she says she really, really enjoys it. And she, you know, when, yeah. when she's riding well, Chloe Hosking. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the thing I love from your interview with her is, you know, she she just won her own monument and um, and was racing flesh. And then, you know, you asked her about Chong Ming and she's like, oh, no, that's Chloe's race. I'm racing for Chloe. <laughs> and, and, you know, wasn't just wasn't just like... Um, saying it, like you could tell from the context and the tone and the way she said it that she was actually really excited by the prospect yeah, and yeah, looking she, forward to and it. She you really know. does, and she yeah. thinks it makes her a better rider. Mm, and mm. you know, that's why, and that's one of the reasons why I think the Sky debacle, you know, Chris Froome, uh, all the stuff last year at the Tour de France, where it was, oh, you know, where he was having that stuff where, you know, his statements were being said by his girlfriend or at least not denied by him about, oh, it's so unfair that he's riding for Wiggins. Oh, it's terribly unfair. And it's like, that's not how the women work, I don't think. I think the women are much more into it being a team sport and knowing that they'll give back. I guess because they're not earning so much money. I mean, I guess well, if you were like... I think it's also... I, I think I think that's actually something that is harder to make a sweeping generalisation about the, the men's side because I think that's actually a peculiarity of that particular team setup. Uh, there are There are plenty of other teams where they have multiple threats and they don't have that level of... Um, apparent discord Childishness. <laughs> yeah you know all yeah. sorts of stuff like that you know yeah and, and there are yeah. and there are teams i mean mm. there are some riders not 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 in the biggest teams but there are in the smaller teams some riders who you know blatantly aren't working for their teammates <laughs> scores are being settled memories mm-hmm. so, yeah. yeah anyway so the final stage um, as I said, it came into 38 seconds, um, Elisa away from Emma. And this last stage, Orica apparently were just dot looking after this stage. And when, when it, 
it started out with some small climbs at the start and then the big climbs started and all the first half of the race Orica were completely on it no one was getting away no one was stopping and then once it hit the big climbs Elisa Evie Elisa Evie Evie was Evie was a couple of minutes back and it came down to a final group of four um Emma Johansson Elisa Longo Bigini Evelyn Stevens Anna van der Breggen and it came and at the end Elisa jumped first, Evie just on her wheel, photo finish. I love photo finish photos, by the way. Um, photo finish. And yeah, um, the stage was won by Elisa. But with Emma Johansson coming in, having not lost any time in yeah. that trio, won the race. Her Third first on the stage, stage race and win. First on the, on the overall. Well done, Emma. Uh, this yeah. no. this virtual DS is pleased with that result, and I actually think <laughs> this is um this is kind of my this is my equal to your Sharon Laws prediction for the Giro Rosa, uh, because even though the season's been quite long and quite active for Emma, um, I think I think I have to say Emma Emma's Emma's my pick. Oh, interesting. Now I think the climbs might be too big for her. Yeah, I'm worried about that, and I'm worried about her, you know, just being a bit tired from it all and all of that sort of stuff. But you know, at the same time, like I don't think I think it's actually a really interesting year because the course is a little bit different. But also, um, Ebby's coming back from from her accident at the start of the season. Um, Mariana's hit a, a little patch of of less than stellar form, which she'll more than likely have made back up. But having those those two stages towards the end being the, the big climbs, you know that could factor in. Um, yeah, you know, you like see, like I... it's an interesting mix of of opportunities and tactics. And the thing that's sort of kind of sealing the deal for me at the moment in terms of that particular pick is I've just got a lot of respect for the way Orica are riding as a team this year, and I think they're I think they're really starting to click and get it all sealed up nicely. And um, so, you know, I, I think I think that's it, you know. Yeah. You see, I, I don't know. I think when Mariana, so last year, Mariana won, but it wasn't very, it wasn't very mountainy. There weren't really mm. the big mountain stages we come to know for the Giro. The year before Mariana won, and she won it because she, there was, a, there was a very, very tough classic test stage where she and Emma Pooley got a lot of time, but it involved lots of descending and she descended away from Pooley. Yeah. And there was a stage, one of the big climbing stages was basically a, a triangular profile <laughs> where you just went up a mountain and down a mountain. And remember, she pulled out so much time yeah, on there. Yeah, she nailed, so, she nailed back like four oh, minutes no, or something. And so that's the thing, yes. like there's there's a couple of things there that, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say neutralise her completely, but I think certainly open the race up and make it much more competitive than a lot of people may realise looking at it on yeah. the surface. Yeah. So, might, you know, I know, might... it's, I know it's a little bit of a long pick, but I actually, I think there's merit to it. And, um, yeah, I... and I admit again that as a, as a virtual DS, I'm entirely biased, so... <laughs> My, my picks for the Giro, the riders I'd be looking out for are, I mean, Voss and Johansson always, but I think the people I think might win, Eddie Stevens, Elisa Longo Borghini, um, although I think maybe the climbs might be a bit too big for her. I don't know. I that was my question. Away I mean, on the but it's so hard because Elisa's, you know, like she's still young and coming into all of this, you know, like it's, it's one of those ones for me that like in three, four years time, we're going to be talking about her as a absolutely you must watch, you know, she's right in there. And this year it's one of those, I think it's entirely possible, but you know, it's not quite certain enough to, to claim if you know what I mean. Yeah. 
I was gonna pick Ash Mormon, but she crashed. She had to. Mm. She DNF'd the final stage of the Imakumi Mbira because of her. You know, she was still yeah. hurting from crashing on on the first stage. So hopefully she's not too hurt. I hope you're well, Ash. Get well soon. And the other two are the other Italians, Tatiana Goderzo. I haven't seen her up in the results at all mm-hmm. this year. And uh, Fabiana Luperini, well, she was pretty, she came ninth in the Macamimbira. I mean, uh, Luperini, she's a little bit, um, well, speaking of doping bands. <laughs> <laughs> then, then the other two riders I'm wondering about are Claudia Hauschler and Mara Abbott. Well, the um, other one, the other one I'm wondering about is Mariah DeVries. I think she's, uh, you know, I just think <laughs> this is her year. I really do. So. I don't think Mariah could. I think, I mean, I think Mariah will do well, but I can't see her on those big climbs. But <laughs> I, I'm no. just, I'm just imagining an alternate universe in which she's listening and bursts out laughing, maybe snorts coffee <laughs> out of her nose or, or something. I, yeah. Hauschler's a former winner, but she had a very bad crash in, I think, 2000 and whichever year the Worlds were in Australia. And 2010. She, 2010. She had a very bad crash in 2010. Mm. But and I don't know how she'll face these climbs, hopefully really well. And Mara Abbott, I've no idea. I mean, Abbott, she won in mm, 2010, I think, or maybe 2009. And then was out of the peloton with, um, well, eating disorders, basically. And, mm. yeah, I, I don't, I've no idea. I absolutely, I mean, it's hard, especially when you've got a rider who doesn't race in Europe. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is it awful that I think that's cheating to not race in Europe all year and then just come over for one race? Well, yes, actually, I would have to say that is awful because I don't see how that's cheating. I mean, if anything, I, I would say conventional wisdom that that says that that puts you at a disadvantage because you've not had much time to to reconnoiter or train on the roads that the race route goes over so yeah and i guess you also haven't kind of made friends like i don't mean made friends like pally pally let me yeah. share my hairband can i borrow your, your eraser um friends but, i mean but, you know be recognized and have people know who you are and know who they you know that they need to pay respect to you and stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah i mean and i and i think you know when you have like some of these breakaways Teresa, i mean i think um Marine said said a couple of weeks ago that um that when she got into the breakaway she knew that if the riders didn't want um the breakaway in drenthe she knew that no not drenthe yes drenthe she knew that if the riders didn't want her in there they'd drop her yeah and that's you know i because that that thing you know when you've just when you're riding out together Mm. and you have to race together you have to race together because otherwise you otherwise you're going to get caught or you don't race together deliberately to get caught you know Yeah, so that's my that's my list of riders who to watch. I don't know. I don't know who will yeah. win the Giro this year. I Sharon Laws, know. I know. You've locked it in. That's your pick. Um, I respect that. I mean, I think it's a little more risky than mine. But, you know, if if you're right, it's going to look brilliant. So, <laughs> But the final, the final <laughs> podium, there was a theme. And this year's Imakamimbira was brought to you by the letter E. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, Elisa, oh, and Evie on the I just, podium. I'm now picturing you in a in an era thousands of years ago in which, you know, um, what's the, it's not numerology, you know, but the thing where people try and find codes in 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 stuff, you know, like, oh, it must be an omen. They all ended, uh, all started with E, so... <laughs> I'm picturing myself more as in Sesame Street, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see you. Actually, that's that's funny. I reckon you're. I reckon you're. Um, you're Ernie, and I'm Bert. 
Which one is which? <laughs> You're the happy one. I'm the grumpy one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take that. Um, yeah, so that was the Macamine Beera. Um, other road news, um, just very quickly. Um, it was the Tulsa Tough series in America. Yep. And yeah, I, I know I say this every week, but American festivals of cycling where you go for a long weekend and the racing's brilliant and there's loads of fun and there's brilliant mm. races and it's all fantastic. No one has a great time. And the Tulsa Tough's another one of those. Um, and Chris, those huge crowds, is, like crazy huge crowds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and huge crowds, good prize money. Mm-hmm. You know, they really know how to put on races. I mean, I suppose part of that is the distance as well, isn't it? Like, um, say you're having a race in the Netherlands or Belgium. You know, people can come for just one day, can't they, and, and watch the race and go home again. Whereas, I guess in America, people, it's more of a destination thing. You go for the weekend and they just have shed loads of stuff to do and it's all good yeah, fun. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what the relative population density is, but broadly speaking, continental Europe and, and the US have similar sized populations, so... No, no, but no, no, we're much, we're much more dense than they are, though. We're much more densely populated because, you know... It's yeah, but like... shouldn't that theoretically mean that more people go to races then? Yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying, is they can go in the day, they can go for a day and go home again. Yeah, but still, why wouldn't that... Like I could drive, if I was going to go to a race, for example, if, if oh, say, for example, I went to the Flesh Volon, as I did, I mean, what, you know, people can pretty much jump on a, jump on a, on the, on the, on the Eurostar in the morning from Britain, drive down, you know, maybe you stay the night before, but you just drive down and you drive home at the end of the day. It's not like it's a, a, a destination thing. Whereas I think in America, they kind of tend to kind of, they're coming from much further away, so you stay for the weekend and you have a really good time, and you have like a festival, and you do it to encourage people to stay. Yeah. So what you're saying is Europeans are lazy bastards who don't go to races. <sighs> Says the man who's never been to a women's race ever. Um. In Australia. I went to the start of the women's worlds in 2010. Does that then count? you went to the pub? No, because then you went to the pub. Yeah, but I made them turn it on on the TV and then talk to everyone who was like, "What's that? Why is that on?" So you know, I was converting. I was converting new fans. I felt the evangelism of the sport was more important than my attendance. Right you were side. actually at the worlds and didn't even choose to go and see the race. I saw the race on TV in a pub with you know <laughs> a whole bunch of new women cycling fans that I created. Anyway, the Tulsa Tough, the crits were won by Teresa Cliff Bryan and Alison Powers won a couple of them too. Hurrah. Um, over in Britain, we have the London Nocturne, which is uh, really interesting. You know, they, they just put on, it's a Saturday, it's last on Saturday, and they put on shed loads of races. You have like urban cyclocross, penny farthing races. I like, I, I want to see next year the penny farthing cyclocross. That's what I think. You know, <laughs> spectacle bike racing. I have to admit, I did see Helen Wyman was um, in attendance and tweeting um, pictures. Like, she wasn't racing, but, um, but you know, that's how big this race is, that there are lots of pros and stuff there and hanging out. And she was tweeting pictures of um, the cyclocross setup. And, yeah, it is literally like they've put the, the little hurdles across, like, just a normal section of road. And I was looking at that and going, fuck, that must just be a nightmare to have to, you know 
jump off the bike and then run and leap over these hurdles on on asphalt because it's fucking hard enough walking (laughs) in bike shoes on on a surface like that um i could see all sorts of things going wrong yeah, so. and I guess when you jump when you jump off it in actual proper cyclocross, at least it has the kind of soft earth. To yeah, jump that's onto. it. Like you've got that you've got that bit of ground to bite into a little bit and and absorb and also get some purchase on, and you're not really worried about your cleat sort of hitting yeah, and yeah, sliding yeah. out from under you. Um, and, and, Helen, you know, and Helen says that you know one of the reasons that she likes cyclocross when it's muddy is because you know it doesn't hurt when you fall off. <laughs> but imagine fall, imagine yeah. taking a cyclocross tumble yeah. on a. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, like, like, like your foot going out from under you and then landing on your tailbone—that would not be fun. Yeah. That would not be fun at all. I, and looked- I did, I did look at that photo also and just try to imagine myself. You know how Mariana has that sort of—I don't, I, I don't know. It feels really patronising to say this, but I can't think of any other way to say it. She has that really cute hurdling technique where you know she just sort of flicks her trailing leg and bounces her bike. I just find that utterly adorable for some reason. Um, and I'm looking at the looking at at this photo, going. I just can't see that working. I just I, I see bad things happening on this course, which I'm pretty sure is the real reason they don't actually let pros race that race. So. Well, because I, I did wonder if Helen Helen was riding the women's elite crit, but I was wondering if she'd race the urban cyclocross. But yeah, you're right. You know, mm. the, the the chances of carnage are high. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the women's race was won by Laura Trotter with Honda, with Hannah Barnes from MG Maxifuel in second, and Danny, Danny King in King, third. Yeah. Um, I was very, very jealous because people like Nikki were in the crowd having a really good time and you know chatting with the Matrix team and just having a good time. I was like, mm. I wish I was there. Because um, you're not prone, not the- prone to jealousy at all, are you? No. Hi, Nikki. Congratulations. Glad you had a great time. Sarah's not jealous. <laughs> Um, um, it was also the Woking Round of the Johnson's Health Tech GP series, which are the women's race at the Tour Series. Um, the Tour Series is a set of city centre crits, and it actually turns up on ITV2. And I don't know, I love that Johnson's funds a women's set series too, but it really, really annoys me that they are only at like, every other race. And when you see it on TV, they'll have an hour-long programme, and they'll probably have 15 minutes in total dedicated to the women and 45 to the men. Yeah, I hate you all. Um, Hannah mm. Barnes won it. So um, that's kind of like... That's kind of like how Catherine Bertin was talking last week about uh, the, yeah. the US Nationals, and her husband's like, oh, they got eight minutes for the women, isn't that great? It's like, no... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. Um, Hannah Barnes won. Hannah's won all but one of the women's races at Tour Series, with Broxanne Forney in second and Corinne Rivera in third. Corinne was the big, bright, is the bright young thing of American cycling. She uh, won everything in the USA as a junior. She was road, track, cyclocross, mountain bike champion. I think it was a bit of a shock to her, though, when she came over that year to ride juniors, because I think the USA Cycling had just assumed she'd completely win it. But um, no, she didn't. I think it was Paulina Fran Prevost that year. So, yeah, mm. Mm, interesting. <sighs> um, two more things. Yes. Ina Yoko Teutenberg's not coming back this season. Yeah, I know. And it's one of those things that, like, it's really sad, but at the same time, it's also good. Um, You know, when you you read her announcement and, you know, she's still um, recuperating and recovering from her injury earlier in the year. And it's clearly taking longer than anyone would have liked or hoped. But... The, the team doctors are saying, um, and, and they're absolutely right to say, that it's better to be cautious and be patient and wait for a full recovery. 
than to push herself and, and come back too early and, and thereby increase her risk of, you know, further injury or, yeah. or damage as a result. At the same time, it's also, um, I guess, I mean, you know, there was no official statement or anything at the the start of the season, but, you know, we're looking down the barrel of, of Ina's last season's you know, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a little well, uncertain as to how much 30s. longer she'll go. So, she's you in know, her, she's in her late thirties. I mean, mm. I mean, poor, she does know. seem to enjoy every year just saying, "Oh, I'm so old and and miserable and sore. I don't know why I do this. I must retire." And she's been saying that for two hundred years now. So, you know, <laughs> who knows if she ever actually will retire? I actually think my personal theory is that she's actually waiting for Jens Vogt to retire because <laughs> she'll be fucked if she goes out before him. So. <laughs> I, I think that's what oh. it is. So yeah, as long as Yenzi's riding, Ina's riding. I think. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's another reminder too about how awful head injuries are. Mm. I mean, it was Claudia Hauschler had her head had you know had her head injury that that's pretty much taken a couple of years to recover from, and of, and the big one is Amber Halliday, mm. um, yeah. the, the, the Aussie rider who was who's I still don't think has fully recovered from her brain injury, and these are brain injuries that happen even when you're wearing a helmet. Yeah. You know, when when the force of the when the force of the impact, you know, bangs your brain around inside your skull, it's not exactly you know, the lateral force within the skull exceeds the ability of the helmet to absorb it. So yeah, and yeah. I mean, it it just reminds me again how dangerous this sport is. And you know, I yeah, helmet debates so boring, but I mean, you know, obviously everyone well, should wear a helmet. Not just boring, but, um, but complicated. So you know, because there are different kinds of injuries, and helmets pre- yeah, yeah, yeah. prevent but, some but, and what, and. But the bottom line is, it's not as simple, you know, the bottom line is, these riders, even with helmets, if you come down on your head like that, you're, you know, it's awful. So all I can do is hope, Ina, I hope you recover soon. I'd love to see you back next year. You know, really, really would love it. And But if not, I hope she's, she's, she says herself, she's not the most patient person in the world. So... Mm. You know, when you see tweets from Ina about her gardening and stuff, she should. This yeah. is what you do in off season. Well, so, if, yeah. if she takes up if she takes up cross country skiing or biathlon or something, because I can actually imagine Ina taking up a sport where you get to shoot things. Um, so, so you know, it's possible that she'll she'll you know go to that instead, um, or as as Sarah and I fervently hope every week that she'll become the new UCI president and clean house. Or, um, or at the very least, much to my great and eternal amusement, become a permanent professional commentator. I would, <gasps> I would, I would totally pay per view. I would pay cash money every time to, to listen to Ina commentate the men's race. I'd love to see her commentate the Tour de France, and then do the men's, the women's road, but world, world uh, road race. It'd just be like these pussies can't climb. <laughs> What's he doing? Try attacking! Fucker! This race is so boring! Where are the attacks? Oh, she can't win, but you better than die trying. <laughs> uh, oh, Ina, 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 we love you. I, yeah, massive fan. Terrified, massive fan. Um, I watched the Downhill World Cup, the first Downhill World Cup of downhill the season, Downhill Mountain Bike World Cup, just for those who, who weren't quite clear. Uh, now, this was Fort William in bonnie old Scotland, and um, interestingly enough, it was a bit of a family affair, wasn't it? It, re- it was. You know what was really interesting was it was super sunny. Well, yeah, it was, you know, it was that day. It was the day that proves that Scotland's beautiful. 
But they had a photo of Manon Carpenter um, warming up at the top of the mountain on her tra- on her trainer before her run, with her mechanic holding an umbrella yeah. over her. To yeah, to keep the sun off. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also really interesting because as as the middle of the women's runs were going on. They show the bottom. I mean, the crowds were just enormous and crazy and enormous and crazy and making so much noise and just going completely bonkers. Mm. Um, they had people with uh, Santa Claus outfits dressed up as Christmas trees, all sorts of craziness. Um, a man dressed as a bride shouting through a megaphone on one of the corners. And apparently one of the, there's a thing on one of the photos where the guy said, yeah, um, I did see a couple of riders do a double take. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, mountain bike is so easy to get into. I mean, I've said this before, but it's streamed live on Red Bull TV, Mm. um, redbull.tv. And downhill, it's really simple. Well, it's really simple to describe because, you know, the person who gets down the mountain fastest wins. It's kind of like a very special type of time trial, basically. The riders, you know, head out one by one um, with time gaps there. It's a timed race to the, the end of the course. Um, with a downhill with, you know, various obstacles like switchbacks and, and drops and jumps and things and, um, and tailing off. Yeah. So it is, it's a simple setup. It makes a lot of sense. It's also another one of those events that, um, lends itself well to, to broadcasting because it's a simple setup. You know, it's a series of fixed camera positions that can cover the course and all of that sort of thing. But yeah, also, yeah, yeah. also, you know, and I know we've said this before, and I'm I am cautious about banging the drum too often. But it is as simple a fact as a committed sponsor actually being willing to to get right behind it and own it. You know, I mean, here yeah, we yeah, are. Yeah. We're saying Red Bull TV, not UCI Cycling YouTube or anything. Like it's it's um, it's not that hard. It's accessible. Uh, You know, it really does just take a sponsor who decides that they want to own that segment of the available audience. And it it is also worth pointing out that this is another cycling event where men and women race on the same day, um, side by side, celebrated in the same way by the crowd. You know, it's... it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, yeah, and the crowd, when it's... I mean, this is... The the, the World Cup's different, you know, they go different different countries around the the place. When we're in Val de Soleil next week, um, this weekend, of course the Italian riders are going to get cheered to high heaven. You know, when it's um, next this weekend, so Val de Soleil is going to have the cross country and the downhill World mm. Cup at the same time, and so you know that when Eva Lechner is riding, Eva Lechner is riding the cross country, that the Italian fans are going to be just as partisan and happy. And I like that. You know, when they go to Pieter Maritzburg, all the South African boys are going to get a massive, massive, massive boost from the fans. And yeah, and and it was, I mean, it was quite funny. Uh, the, <laughs> And the commentators are really interesting. And so, it's, say it's about five or six minutes for each run. Yeah, maybe four minutes. You know, maybe four minutes for the top. Four minutes something for the top men. But that's a perfect amount of time for the commentators to tell you some really interesting facts about the riders too. And they really know their facts. Mm-hmm. So coming back, there was Tracy Hannah, who's an Australian rider. She rides on the same team as her brother Mick Hannah um, for Hutchinson United Ride. So Tracy was taken out last year of a crash that broke her leg and she, a really bad crash. And then she had a collarbone break earlier on this season. So this was her first race back. She still came in the top 10. You know, and they tell you stories like that. And yep. they tell you about them. And it's at the same time, oh my God, look at that. She's going really well. Really interesting race. So they have qualifications the day before. So you were also only seeing the top riders. Uh-huh. 
and you have a bit of an idea how they've been going because they have like a load of practice runs for the course you know yep. so say for you know the, the race coverage you know the race if you're watching reading the mountain bike magazines and stuff the race coverage starts about four days before when they arrive and start their practice runs and the qualies and you can get an idea of how they go and then they go in then the ones who qualify go in reverse order according to their speed so you kind of know it, it's just it's just easy to love you know it's easy to watch easy to follow Anyway, mm. so you've got. So yeah, if you if you don't if cycling hasn't taken over enough of your life yet, uh, Sarah can heartily recommend downhill mountain bike to you. Yes, indeed. And if you go onto RedBull.tv and click the live tab, it'll give you their list of when they're showing it. So you can and and you know when you click on the the tab, it has like a little countdown to how long it takes. So none of this kind of trying to work out what that is in Sydney time or things like that. It just tells you this race will start in. Four days, three hours, and 16 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, technology used so, uh, in, a, in an intelligent way. Dare we ever yeah. hope and dream. <laughs> <laughs> so the big, right, the big country for downhill, well, one of the big countries for downhill is France because they had in the top um, coming, basically taking, they had four riders, um, four riders in the top 10 and they really were looking the fastest you had uh, Miriam Nicole uh, well, Florian Pujan then Morgan Charest who's the uh, world champion the surprise world champion last year Miriam Nicole all put down really amazing times and then Manon Carpenter she's from Wales uh, she'd missed one of the days because of she'd been had food poisoning of uh -huh. practice but she still had come in third fastest and she just put this stonking time so fast and because they have intermediate points as well you can you know checkpoints you can see how well they're going it was so exciting and the completely non-partisan two British commentators <laughs> I don't know what it's like watching Red Bull TV if you're not British <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not that different no, it's not that excited. different to watching Phil and Paul so you know. Yeah. No. No. It, 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 <laughs> I, I know what they're talking about. B. They're very engaging, and C. They're, you know, not assholes. Um, <laughs> um, Emily Rago went second from last, and she um, couldn't beat Manon. She moved the second fastest, and that meant there was definitely a British winner. Hurrah! Hurrah! Imagine the Scottish crowds going bonkers, and then it was Rachel Atherton. Mm. Um, Rach Atherton is the, so there's three Atherton siblings Dan, G and Rachel and they're all like mountain bike crazy and Dan had a really nasty accident and a uh, really bad accident and came back to Enduro um, both Rachel and G are former mountain bike world, downhill world champions and they have this they've had this series of films um, called The Atherton Project which again was shown on Red Bull TV you know which would follow them throughout the season you know and, and it's you know, because they're like family, you know, because they're family, you get the interaction between them as siblings, as well as the interaction, you know, with in, interaction with them as riders. Yep. And, and they really, you know, they love their sport. Mm, um, mm. Rach Atherton, she's got, you know, she'll be tweeting about, oh, yeah, I, I went to this, you know, I went to this downhill run in Wales and I was exhausted. So I came home and, and then, but then I just turned around to go back and did a couple more runs because I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah. Or um, one of my favourite videos uh, from during the week was actually one that's just been released by Red Bull um, in conjunction with, I think it's Planet Earth TV, um, which is G. Atherton uh, riding a downhill with a bait pack strapped to his back being chased by a peregrine falcon. <laughs> How far does he get before the falcon rips his 
he makes it makes it about two thirds of the way down because um you know as we as we know peregrine falcons are incredibly fast but you know the switchbacking and constant changing of direction made it quite difficult for it to catch the um the bait so yeah that's super, i mean you if you ever if, if people have ever watched top gear <laughs> every now and again they'll make you know one of their challenges will be like you know who can ride fastest through on you know down through a town a little car or a mountain biker and that's that's generally g atherton <laughs> <laughs> anyway rachel so rachel she's funny she's fantastic last but she's never won fort william um She's come second at I, Fort William I actually, six times. I actually once won Fort William. Um, <laughs> I'd I, love to see you going I down drank, against Rachel I drank several kinds of excellent whiskey while I was there. So, Oh, right. Yeah, you, yeah. Meant, you, meant, I, the, I, I, you meant the mountain I, bike. Right, gotcha. Yeah. So Rachel, Rachel's come six times. Last year, she raced, I think she raced six downhill World Cups, and she won five of them except for Fort William. <laughs> so what you're saying is that it was basically um, it, it was basically her Flanders. Yeah, yeah. It, well, yeah, it was just like no, it was just it was just poor Rachel had just had just she comes second, comes second, comes second. Last year there was a film, you know, her film in the Atherton project for uh, the Atherton 4 by 3 project was at her at at Fort William. Basically, she and this year she qualified fastest again just like last year. Like, can she do it? Can she do it? Can she do it? Can she do it? And then at the first checkpoint, she was seven seconds fastest. And she just got that up to 10 seconds. And it's so, 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 so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd were just going completely ape. She was going completely ape. It was amazing. And yeah, it was just uh, lovely. So double um, Rachel in first, Manon in second. Uh, Manon's only 20. Um, yeah, it was just fantastic. And then G, Atherton. Um, he he won the um, downhill World Cup in 2010, and since then has never won a World Cup, although he's been on the podium loads. So he's the he he's won. the Emma Johansson of um, a downhill mountain bike. <laughs> but then he won the men's race as well, double Atherton victory. Mm, mm. And it was particularly interesting because they were um, debuting their new mountain bike, the GT Fury. Uh huh. And I've got to say, if I was a mountain bike, if I was a mountain bike maker, and on the weekend my bike, my new, my brand new, exciting, all new, super, super, super bike was being debuted, it was what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, both, yeah. it won both the women's and the men's race. I'd be pretty bloody happy with that as a return. No, it's not just about the bike. It's you know, yeah. it's, it's about the rider. Yeah, but, but that's. Yeah. Yeah, they're never going to complain about that for the rest of the year. You know? No, I mean, if, yeah, I, the G, yeah. If I, if I was, if, I mean, I don't know that if I, if I was stupid enough to think about starting a downhill mountain bike at this time in my life. Oh God, please no! Promise you won't. Please promise you won't. Please promise. <laughs> uh, Sword Panda, if you're listening, uh, which I know you are, thank you for listening. Uh, can you please quickly draw Sarah a picture of all the ways that she could not get out of uh, downhill mountain biking alive? Please, please, this is a health and safety issue. Uh, please promise me you won't downhill mountain bike, please. <laughs> okay, I won't if you won't. Oh, you're doomed. You're, <laughs> you're fucked. I'm sorry. Oh, well. Oh, well, I tried. I tried. Oh, yeah. That So that is 
Um, if you want to watch the Val de Soleil uh, cross country um, eliminator and downhill World Cups this weekend, uh, I think they start. This coverage starts on Thursday. Redbull.tv. <sighs> oh, one I want to say one last shout out to Saul. Saul, um, he write he writes for Cobbles and Hills, which is a fantastic Spanish um, Spanish language blog. And Saul was at the Macamín Vera this week, and mm. he was tweeting updates and posting pictures of himself with riders and having a really really good time and i was so happy just to see someone you know someone who really works hard for the sport getting to go to the races talk to the riders and have i mean apart from the fact that i think he nearly drowned um, <laughs> yes but yeah yeah no he was really, having an amazing time amazing he time, really yeah. was and providing really good coverage so i would mm. recommend everyone go to his blog um cobbles and hills.com and click through to the um click through to the feminina page and yeah. uh you can see his coverage um, um, and we'll he, he actually got a an incredible souvenir didn't he he really did and i no one deserves it more i'm really happy for him but yeah um evie stevens gave him her trophy which is like you have no idea what I would I would bring guns to a knife fight to get a trophy like that. I there are there are pretty much no moral boundaries I wouldn't be willing to cross in order to get a trophy like that. So congratulations, Saul. Um, probably better if you never bring that trophy with you if we meet. So. Yeah. I just probably Saul, isn't it? It's probably not Saul. It's Saul, I'd say. Oh uh, yeah, fair point. Fair point. Well, you're, you're the one who's fluent in Spanish. You tell me. <laughs> I wish I was fluent as such. But it's also so nice of the riders. Um, one last thing before we go. You had something you liked this week, didn't you, Dan? Um, well, you know, it's not so much something I liked. It's just I wanted to help a mate out, really. So um, astute listeners will uh, will remember that at the top of the show, I called this uh, episode Sarah Solicits. And uh, my good mate Sarah. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> This isn't actually what I was thinking of, but <laughs> Well, go too ahead. bad. We're, we're, we're in it now. Um, she's got a post on the site, uh, which actually we haven't mentioned yet. Sarah, what's our website? Prowomenscycling.com. So there's a, so, uh, a post there that Sarah's put up. Um, she's actually starting work on a new uh, art project and would like your help. Uh, so if you can uh, either comment on the post, uh, shoot her a message on Twitter where she's at underscore pigeons underscore or um, <laughs> on her Tumblr, which is, Sarah? Uh, womenscycling.tumblr.com uh, And let her know why you love cycling. Uh, that can be riding, watching, dreaming about, um, chasing on skateboards. If if that's what does it for you, let her know, and um, and you can you can help her in a big way there. Uh, just bear with us Thanks for a very moment. Much. Bear with us for a moment, uh, friends, uh, as I now ask Sarah what exactly it was that she was alluding to. For it has escaped I, me. I thought you saw something on the SBS Cycle Show that you really enjoyed. Oh, yeah, I did. Which, now, I know this is an unusual occurrence for you to really enjoy the SBS Cycle Show. Oh, yeah, because you never exaggerate um, for to, to ill effect for my uh, reputation. Um, you know, just because they occasionally do things that I think are UCI levels of wrong. <laughs> Um, uh, I think uh, yes. No, no, no. Uh, sometimes on, on the Dan, episode, Dan rants. <laughs> never, ever. I don't have opinions about things, um, and no one <laughs> pays attention to it. me on Twitter. So, <laughs> um, 
they had a, a great interview with uh, Tracy Gordry, um, who is the Oceania, Oceania representative at the UCI level, uh, recently elected in the, the last elections here, um, which was a great catch-up about the work that she's been doing um, through the, the first six months of her time in that role. And uh, she's one that you'll remember from last week's episode, Sarah would actually love for her to become the next UCI president. Um, yes, please, it, yes, please, yes, please. In I mean, addition, you know, in addition to this interview, a cyclist herself um, worked tirelessly within Australian cyclists cycling and being the um, boss of the Amy Gillett Foundation. You know, which mm. supports not only which not only does amazing work towards trying to improve road safety for cyclists in Australia, it also helps support yeah. Australian cyclists. What Sarah's what Sarah's trying to say is that she's clearly not old enough, male enough, or corrupt enough to be president of the UCI. <laughs> Oh, shit. So, am, am I suggesting that she might have direct experience of not only um, ra- riding the sport recently, but also um, working on the admin side? Sarah, you know that if she's elected, she'll probably do good and useful things, and that's the last thing the UCI needs. So, anyway... Um, no, it's interesting because Tracy's a, a person who gets talked about a lot in this way because she's seen as a um, uh, an example of new life and blood coming into the upper levels of the UCI management system. Uh, and, you know, while that's certainly true, one of the things I actually really appreciate about this interview and also the interview that Cycling News did with her is that it's very clear that Tracy's really got her... Uh, in my opinion, head screwed on really well and is is being quite smart. You know, it, it's... Uh, this is my opinion now, so please don't take what I'm about to say as any kind of comment on her behalf, but um, as I touched on last week, the nature of uh, federation-based elections means that they're not... They're not a straightforward democratic process like a lot of people assume they are. Um, and the simple fact of the matter is that Tracy hasn't been part of um, the UCI management committee at that level long enough to to have the kind of um, pull with all of the federations that she would need to for a run at the presidency to be a realistic objective at this point in time. That said, what I'm oh. really impressed with is the, <laughs> the projects that she's undertaking in and for Oceania are really smart projects and they're multidisciplinary. She's paying attention to mountain bike, track, um, road, but really, really well considered and practical steps. So I encourage people to track down the the most recent episode of Cycling Central, which is available on the SBS Cycling Central website uh, online and uh, and watch that interview. Um, my actual comment on Twitter at the time was I wish that, you know, basically they'd just run and that, that interview as the whole... Uh, episode because I'm sure there was plenty that was cut out of it that would have been even more awesome. So, yeah. Excellent. So, I mean, the whole cycling world is in Italy this week. This week, it's the Giro Trentino for women um, on the road and Val de Soleil for the mountain biking. And yeah, and we'll be back next week to tell you all about it. And we promise not to make too much of it up. <laughs> thank you for listening I hope you agree that I won the bickering and um, thank you for telling me why you love cycling yeah right you're not going to have won the bickering you realise I'm going to spend the rest of the time editing all your bits out <laughs> you know I can actually I can actually edit I can actually edit everything that you said so that you just repeat you're right Dan you're right Dan over and over and over <laughs> you're fucked like give up it's done I won thank you and goodbye Thank you for listening, people.
Oh, you're right, Del. <laughs>